Welcome to the Inclusive Education Project. I'm Vicki Brett. I'm Amanda Salohi. We're two civil rights lawyers on a mission to change the conversation about education, civil rights, and modern activism. Each week, we're going to explore new topics which are going to educate and empower others and give them a platform to enact change in education and level the playing field. Welcome back, friends. No, I thought we were saying, oh, you know what? I did that. You guys, we're very, we're very, very excited. Is our 300th episode. I wanted to try something new. We rehearsed it, and that's the problem. When Amanda and I rehearse things, we just we're, get not, we're better just off the cuff, uh, saying what we feel. And in that, like, as this is our 300th episode, we're really like reflecting back and looking at the start of our podcast and and why we really started this as you know this way to start and change the conversation about education and civil rights, disability rights. And and it was really meant to be like that conversation, but also how can we try to better well, this education we could system? Live, we could live in just starting the conversations. And I think yes. we have elevated it to include how can we change. And yes. our 300, it's actually not just going to be a man and I, this is just a special intro. We have Lacey Robinson from Unbound Ed, who joins us and really is just like the epitome of us wanting to not just start the conversation, but also change the way in which we approach the situation. We look at how things have been and, you know, what can we change moving forward? Yeah. And we're, we're really jazzed for you guys to listen to this episode because, you know, not only did we, I mean, you know, we love getting into like practical tips and how can we, like, Mm -hmm. what can we actually do in the classroom? Not just talking about it from a theoretical standpoint. And Lacey just brings, I mean, just to touch joy, she's definitely our people, but she brings such a perspective into like these actual practical tips that we absolutely love. We're excited. We'll definitely have her back. And we hope you enjoy. Enjoy. Today's guest is going to give some real good insight into what we're seeing with a lot of our current clients, right? Like there's learning abilities and like, how can we, you know, help those that are boots on the ground, the teachers, right? The all-inclusive teachers, what we're going to be talking about too. Lacey Robinson, thank you so much for coming on to our podcast. Thank you for having me. (laughs) We're so so excited to have you on because we talk so much about the benefits of inclusive education and like global, like bigger picture, but we love mm-hmm. getting like boots on the ground, like specific examples of how do we do it and how do we do it successfully? So yeah. we're excited to have you. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Yes, Lord. I always feel like when I get this question, it's like um, back to the future, like a flashback for me. But, <laughs> yes. Uh, uh-huh. yes. So I am truly a, an early childhood teacher at heart. I actually mm. Out thinking my entire career was going to be teaching pre-K and kindergarten for the rest of mm-hmm. my life. And I've always had a great interest in reading language arts, writing. I will tell you that my math interest and science, I have to say, I've always been a science person or really like into inquiry, I should say. Yes. Uh, yes. Curious. Curious. Very curious. But my reverence for math picked up when I taught fifth grade and mm. certainly took fire when I became a turnaround middle school principal, but I've worked district level. I've been in the building level. I've been a principal. I've been a coach of principals. And now I have the awesome, awesome opportunity to lead a group of 
they're my superheroes. I feel like I work in the halls of justice. Um, yeah. I'm the CEO and president of Unbound Ed with the subsidiary Core Learning. And so I have an opportunity to sit shoulder to shoulder with educators as we march across the United States providing professional development that is grade level, engaging, affirming, meaningful instruction. Everything that we love to see. <laughs> Everything that we love to see and meet. Yeah. 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 Every Everywhere. Teacher, every administrator should learn from you because it's it's just not happening. Like I think even the teachers who mean well, who want to do it, they're not given the training, the tools of how do you do it. And we can only be in so many IEP meetings to mm-hmm. give them examples. Well, so. first and foremost, we are trained in the law, right? Of course, Amanda and I, through this podcast, through our experience, through the years of that we've been special education attorneys you'll learn a few things, right? You want to take from the best and then, you know, throw it back. But what is one of the major things that you see when you are conducting these trainings, I'll say, do we hear like, I just don't know what to do. Is that is that something that you hear often? Or how do we do it? Or what? Like, sometimes it's like making it a bigger thing than it actually is, right? Like, I feel like so many practices can be inclusive. It's just you just think about it a little differently. Well, let me say this. I think that, first of all, I say it in the book, Justice Seekers. I say it everywhere I go. You know, educators, practitioners, from your classroom teacher to your paraeducator, to your literacy coach, to your, even I would say in some respects, a special education teacher, but I always put them in a different category. And I'm going to tell you why. Mm. None of us are appropriately prepared. None of us are Mm -hmm. given the opportunity and space to take the theory, Mm -hmm. deep dive it into the practice, get Mm -hmm. feedback, go back in and practice in real time with students Mm -hmm. and really get underneath our belt what it means to be a conveyor, a coach, Mm -hmm. uh, some instances, a ground layer of knowledge. So when you talk about being inclusive in classrooms, Educators are not being included in their own learning. So being inclusive has to start with the Mm -hmm. preparation Mm -hmm. of our teachers. They're not magical beings. They don't walk in the room and spray, you know, dust. And all of a sudden the kids, all kids learn how to (laughs) write and do math. It's not, they're not missionaries. They're not volunteering their time. Mm -hmm. This is their career, their profession. And I say Mm -hmm. this all the time. I have yet to meet another profession mm-hmm. that does not get its due service in keeping up with the research, evidence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. yes. Y'all going to get me started, but I have to say this. And this <laughs> is, I had, I had, a, I had a, a man who owns his own company to come and fix my fireplace. I have a propane fireplace that works off electricity. Okay. And I'm just talking to him because I talk to anybody. And I'm always <laughs> the teacher in me, right? Like I'm like mm-hmm. asking or whatever curious and I literally caught my breath when he told me the type of license certification reading Mm -hmm. research practice Mm -hmm. that he has to go through every single year in order to keep his own business license up I'm like teach come on now yeah are not asked to give that much rigorous row and it's not like they don't want to know they want to know right they do yeah 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 (laughs) Well, because we don't, as a society, place enough emphasis on education. So many people think education is just a place my kid goes. Like, yeah, Mm. they learn, but Mm. 
like unless you're in the nitty gritty so many people don't think about it as like such a foundation to citizenship to community to being a human and we leave our kids in school we place them in school with the understanding that they're going to learn but yet we don't place that importance i mean politicians don't place the importance i mean how many times is there a local statewide federal election where where is education is it fifth sixth seventh tenth fifteenth twentieth down on their platform importance so nobody is talking about like how can we improve yeah or what i find is and this has happened over the past couple years you know Mm -hmm. they use educators as these political pawns you know Mm -hmm. i mean right Mm -hmm. so you know mrs smith fourth grade teacher third year in her role, right, might just be getting underneath her belt, how to build her environment. She's just starting to understand about how to engage her students. And now you're fear mongering around if she has a Harriet Tubman book book sitting on the side of her chalkboard. Mm -hmm. Or God, Mm -hmm. they have a picture of their spouse on their desk that is the same sex of theirs. Exactly. So rather Mm -hmm. than looking at us as partners, right? Right. In in their children's lives, you become this pawn. And I wanted to just say that, you know, I don't agree with everything because Amanda, you just made a note of this. I don't agree with everything. I don't agree with everything what everybody says. (laughs) Things that I latch onto that Horace Mann, who who says, they say like, he's the father of public education, right? They can't Mm, mm, say, I'm doing air quotes. Um, (laughs) One of the things that he talked about and was just adamant about around public schooling is like, it is essential for a country that holds democracy at its center to want to develop, support your public education. This is where your citizenship is flourishing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. This is where your societal norms take place. And most importantly, this is where your democracy gets an opportunity to be rebirthed and birthed again. And and so Mm -hmm. like, even just thinking about our education center and the importance of it, like you would think that we would pay closer attention. So I don't, I don't think it's for fodder. I don't think, I do think educators are literally saying, I didn't know. I don't know. Yes. Um, I will tell you my first IEP meeting. And I think about this all the time coming in as a first year teacher in Georgia, you know, Mm -hmm. you get slip in your mailbox, you get the time. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't, they didn't necessarily say, they said, bring work examples. No one explained to me what the process was. No one, like how long it was, who, how long it was, my role, the parents' role. And I just right, remember right. walking up to the meeting and I know I'm not going to say the young man's name, but I can see the young man's mom still in my, like in my mm-hmm. mom. And first of all, she was panicked. Second of all, she had to take off of work. Right. So she was right. Like, yeah. Right. Yeah. Already kind day. of. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I remember walking up to her and the first thing she says to me is, I'm not in trouble, am I? Right. Oh. Because the last time that she dealt with the school district, like you have that fear, like of when you were a yeah. kid. Isn't that insane? We say that all the time. Yeah. yeah. That's the and last I- time that a parent dealt with a school district. And like yeah. you were like the follower. Right. Like, yeah. 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 And Isn't that wild? Immediately without anybody having to tell me. I flipped into advocacy. I said, in trouble. If anybody is in trouble, it's the school. Uh-huh. They have been supporting your son mm-hmm. for the past. Now, are you ready for this? I was a first grade teacher. Oh. And this young man was the age of a fourth grader. 
who had been placed in my first grade class. Wow. And I said, mom, we are going in there and we are going to demand that he gets the support that he should have been Mm -hmm. getting since he came into this. And I didn't know what I was talking about. I just know I immediately fired up. Right, of course. Mom, who was an African-American woman, felt Mm -hmm. vulnerable enough to me in that moment to say, am I in trouble? Am I in trouble? Right, right, right. Well, because even though you hadn't been given like all the tools of this is what an IEP is. This is the trainings you knew in your gut mm-hmm. that something wasn't right. And mm-hmm. you believed in equality and you mm-hmm. believed that kids should be treated mm-hmm. like human beings. Yes. And I think most teachers feel that way, but then the more and more they're in the system without getting the tools to help mm-hmm. support the parents don't get the tools. Well, it gets and, and sometimes down. that Kool-Aid is forced down their throat. Because you were already in a position where you like were free in the sense of like the advocacy. And and we had um, this uh, director of special education. I mean, she was like in her 90s. She'd been in special education since before you got created. It was amazing. And one of the things that she said is as a director of special education, you should be the advocate for the child. Yes. Like you should be able and that that should trickle down. Like Mm -hmm. it's so often us versus them. That's what a parent comes to us with. Us versus them, us versus them, you know, because they already come to us pissed off. Like, all right, yeah. okay, I get that, right? And it should be us against the problem. What's the issue? What is not connecting for this student in the classroom? Is it the teacher? Is it a perspective shift? Is it just, you know, and it, it just blows my mind that, you know, sometimes you go into these IEP meetings and, and everybody, I think Zoom kind of calms everybody down. Like, I, yeah. I definitely feel a different shift as opposed to pre-COVID when Amanda and I would, would likely like walk into an IEP meeting. Yeah. Um, but yeah. like that freedom, you know, I'm sure she felt so much more confident walking into that meeting, yeah. knowing that you were on her side. Whereas now, if anything, and this like... I mean, we don't have cards anymore. They're digital cards. But like it used to be like the teacher would just slide our card across the table and say, you didn't get this from me, but you yeah. need to talk to it. And like, don't say that I told them, you know, and it's like yeah. that fear of getting fired, reprimanded, oh, yeah. you know, is awful. Like, oh, it, yeah. it really yeah. is. Yeah, it, it flips me into my advocacy. And I, I have to tell you mm-hmm. from that point on actually that next year it was the first time and I actually started doing my own study on this was the first time I ever heard there was a child that was registered in our school who had a rare form of autism okay rare form and there was the school system could not adequately support the learning environment Mm, okay and so it was incumbent upon the school system right to be Mm -hmm. able to support the student in their learning environment. And so they ended up having to hire and fly somebody in who had the actual training around how to support the student and all of that. And I remember being in awe, like, wait, they can do that? And I started doing my own like studying and researching and then asking my friends who had decided to go into special education after they got their bachelor's and they were in their master programs and I inadvertently, I say this by accident, ended up becoming a child advocate. People who weren't even in my school were bringing me their students, whether they mm-hmm. them at church, friends <laughs> of, my, of my mother's would call me and say, like, I believe it. I, I believe say, it. what should I mm-hmm. do? And mm-hmm. I would show up to those meetings 
They didn't know at that one point, I like they must think I'm the lawyer or something. And I would come in <laughs> with the law. I would come yeah. in mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. the definitions. And mm-hmm. in some instances, I kid you not, I taught some of the people in the system, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which blew mm-hmm. my mind yeah. that mm-hmm. you are in the system and your job right. is to support right. the special education function. Yep. And you don't even know. Yeah. yeah you're running yeah. this meeting yeah. and you don't even know. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. To be done. I mean, mm-hmm. the amount of times mm-hmm. we go into mm-hmm. an IEP meeting and we make suggestions of things where we get responses of, oh, I've never heard of that. Or can we do that? Or right. I <laughs> to ask and see. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I've seen it done in like 20 IEPs. I'm not really mm-hmm. sure. Like, and I mean, granted, there's so many different resources out there. There's a lot of programs. There's a lot of tools, a lot of that this and that so like okay to expect the teacher to know everything sure but like administrators their role in the IEP meeting is to be able to be the person to explain here are all the offerings here are all the things that are available to you and it often comes mostly from parents hearing from another parent oh I got this I have a client who recently got music therapy added to their IEP not because it was proposed by the team but they had heard Actually, they were telling me it was another parent had heard about it and asked their kid to be evaluated, got Mm. an evaluation for a music therapy. And the music therapist came into the classroom and did an evaluation for the specific child. That child didn't qualify. Then they went to the school teacher and goes, yeah, this kid doesn't qualify, but this other kid who's my client. This other (laughs) kid took so well to this. He would yeah. benefit from music therapy so much. And then the school then was like, oh, what is this? What can we? Yeah. And now this kid has. So it wasn't even the school team saying, yes, we can offer music therapy. No one in the team ever knew that this was mm-hmm. even a possibility. Mm-hmm. And it's not and their fault. That's what I want. Right. No, it's no. not their fault. We as a country, mm-hmm. I know this. I feel it. First of all, there's a reckoning that's happening because. Mm-hmm. Every day you open up the news, every day you look at social media, you hear the droves of administrators and teachers. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. And I got news for you. iRobot is not teaching our classes, right? Right. People, I'm an advocate for AI. I could talk about it all Mm -hmm. day. Mm -hmm. That is not the threat. The threat we have is that we as a society have to hold our educators in the same light that we hold our doctors, yes, we hold our electricians. Mm-hmm. We have to be able to have reverence for this field, for this profession, and say that we have to move all barriers so that yep. educators are continuously developing their mm-hmm. own teaching, mm-hmm. learning, mm-hmm. research, evidence-based, pedagogical, mm-hmm. you know, affirming, engaging, meaningful, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. all of that, which is the work that my organization, our organizations do on a daily basis. All Mm -hmm. of it has to be a continuous cycle. And I dare to say my sister's a surgeon. And what I watch her go through every single year Mm -hmm. to reading 36 articles Mm -hmm. for her boards. And I'm like, as Mm -hmm. a teacher, I would have craved that. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. And it's not yeah. just like that these services need to be available, but the school district needs to make this a part of yes. their yearly routine. They need to be yes. paid for these hours. They need to be given the opportunity, the time to do yes. it. And, you know, and I get it, that's what you're talking about. All the barriers that come into play 
And it needs, it's the school district's obligation to ensure that they're given these opportunities. Yes. It's um, not a side dish. It shouldn't right. be a side right. dish or add on or do right. it after school or do it over. No. Yes. It should be a part of uh, right. what a system's environment and yeah. community is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we know mm-hmm. that you help schools get all of, you know, this support. One of the things we love to have for our listeners is kind of like practical tips. So if mm-hmm. a teacher is listening to you where their school district has not engaged you mm-hmm. outside of them saying, hey, you need to come and get her to come do trainings. <laughs> what is one thing that like you could tell a teacher, whether like a gen ed teacher who hasn't gone through training, one thing that they can do in their classroom to be more inclusive, like within you know their own means? Yes. Well, first and foremost, to me, the greatest inclusive move that you can make as a classroom teacher is, and we say this, is to make it a priority to get to know your students. I don't Thank you. get Thank to you. know name, birthday, color. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, get to know that you look across the room and you see a look go through Maya's eyes and mm-hmm. you have the wherewithal to say, Maya, do you want to go get a drink of water? Or can you go mm-hmm. fill up a water bottle? Because you realize mm-hmm. she's mm-hmm. been stagnant too long and she mm-hmm. needs to and move around. Yep. You know, you have to know your students enough that when you're teaching the fifth grade students, the pre-algebraic thinking, that you know enough about them and their community that you can draw on their cultural inferences to yes. make them leap off the page. You don't have to be from the neighborhood. Right. You don't have to be from the cultural inference in order to invite it into your lesson. But what you do have to have is a relationship with the student. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You also need to be given the time, the wherewithal, and the opportunity to be able to do that. And so an inclusive environment, and I used to tell my, when I would coach my teachers this all the time, whether the child, first of all, everybody has an IEP. Everybody. Everybody. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. The individualized educational plan. And Mm -hmm. you, I'm not saying you're standing up in your octopus arms. Yeah. (laughs) The thing is, you look at them as a human being and you Mm -hmm. recognize that this is where you need support. This is where I'm going to back up. This is where I'm going to let you soar. This is where I'm going to just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. (laughs) You have to know your students. and And I will say that is part of the joy of being a teacher. But nowadays, the time, the task, Mm. the taking away their intellectual and knowledge curiosity, the Mm -hmm. ability to take their subjects and to place it in overarching themes and allow their students to use their knowledge base to go in and out of learning Mm -hmm. the different modalities that they can use. It's slowly but surely being crunched because there is this anxiety that we have. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now they blame it on the pandemic. I would say it was before the pandemic that we've lost the control of really what it means to teach and learn in the United States. Yeah, right. So I'm going to say this to a teacher that's listening right now. There is a student right now in your classroom that you know you don't really know a lot about. Yes, yeah, yes, Uh yes. Yes. You want to be inclusive? Mm-hmm. Go have a conversation. Watch Start there. The student. Follow the student. I used to follow my kids. 
Mm-hmm. And I would pick one student and I'd go and I'd lean in and watch them in art class, watch them in the cafeteria, or I'd even if I wasn't on recess duty, I'd go outside and I'd watch them just to get to know who they were. Absolutely. And it's no surprise that some of the recent research that come out that has said, even if the teacher is a bad teacher, quote unquote, if they are with the same student in like a multi-age program where they have the child from kinder to third grade, for instance, yes, the research just says like it's the best for the teacher and yeah. the student. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, it's, of course, the getting to know the student. Yes. You know, Maya is not trying to be defiant. You wow. just know that she needs a break. Like yeah. she's not questioning you to be defiant. She's just questioning because yeah. she's literally like, I like why why do we have I to don't do know this all what the, time? <laughs> the expectations you have of me are. Right. I don't understand it. And other countries have got this. Other countries mm-hmm. have kids having the same teacher mm-hmm. year after year, or there's mm-hmm. more overlap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't have that, and that truly is something that really is so hard and why like I just don't understand like we have parents that will come up to teachers or school district administrators and say you know I would really love to be in this program I have this teacher because my student really really yeah does well with them and that Mm -hmm. is so disregarded as well you can't choose your teacher you can't teach your teacher Mm -hmm. and it's like Mm -hmm. well maybe we should be focusing on rapport building and you know, if we are going to have the same teacher year after year, maybe we can have the first month of the year be not about academics, but about building relationships Yeah, or yeah. figuring out a way to have carve out time to yes. build those relationships. Yes. I actually had the opportunity to do that in Justin Seekers. I talk about my residency at the Marva Collins Preparatory School, where I mm. saw where teachers started actually with pre-K and then they became oh. And they were mm-hmm. the first grade teacher. And mm-hmm. I had an opportunity to do that one year in an early childhood center I worked at where I got to loop up with my kids. And when okay. I take those two years were some of the best professional mm-hmm. years of mm-hmm. my life because I, I knew the kids, I knew the parents, I yep. understood where they, where they left off and where we were going. Yep. And, mm-hmm. and so if at all possible, I think that it's greatly apparent. And then I will tell you this, as a middle school turnaround principal, you know, I had students that would matriculate out of my school into high school and they would get in trouble. Who's the first person they come to? Me. They would mm-hmm. call me, mm-hmm. not their parents, not their grandmothers, not their. They would call me because and they would say to me, Miss Robinson, you know me, you know who I am. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. And in my mind, I'm like, oh, my God, this child is in 10th grade and has to come all the way back. To his middle school principal's office to be his app. Yeah. And kids spend so much time in school for them not to have someone that they can trust, that they can talk to, that they can come to, that they have that rapport that they can ask for help from. Like, it's so sad that like so many kids don't have that at all Mm -hmm. in their school when it Mm -hmm. like they should have someone like that every single year. There should always be a point person, Mm -hmm. not just kids on IEPs, like any kid, every kid should feel safe to be able to have someone just for the sheer amount of time they spend at school. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I totally agree with that. I totally agree. Kids that I have, whether it's my bonus children or my God children, Mm -hmm. we look for, we marvel at the relationships that they can build, not only with their classroom teachers, but with their assistant principals or Mm -hmm. some 
sometimes it's their paraeducators, you know, yeah. someone who is their advocate. And I would say this, you know, parents know this. Parents know that you have children that you might find easier to communicate with, or you have children, your own children, who have decided that not you, but maybe Nana is a better advocate. So Nana's going to come in and say, well, could you just at least let them, you know, that is just a part of who we are as human beings, right? Right. And I think that purposeful mechanism in school is really essential, like, which is Mm -hmm. something else we should consider that maybe it's a revamping of the way that we do school. Yeah, it has to be. It has to be. And and we thought that reset would happen you know, after the pandemic, but the rush to just get to the way things were before, like yeah. was so insane. And it was, you know, in some aspects for some of our kiddos, the pandemic virtual learning was amazing. For the majority, it wasn't. But but to not use, you know, some of the same things that we use, why? why you know, and it's because this archaic 1950s reading, writing, arithmetic kind of, you know, still writing standards when you get in trouble, still getting the kid, you know, that has an IEP sent to the principal's office. It's like, what are, can we take a moment and like, just look at this child and who this child is? And it's weird to man and I that at times we have to go into IEP meetings to remind people like, wonderful that you have a nephew that has ADHD and that worked for him. Awesome. We're talking about this kid, right? We're talking about the child that is in front of you. And if you have something that you would like to share that may work awesome. But yeah. other than that, you know, cause there's so many times where it's like, well, all the other kids are, and I don't care about that, you know, and I have to, yeah. we have to say that out loud, like, you know, this with all due, like, I don't care about other kids. We are here yeah. in this moment for this child. What are we going to do to work? Yeah. To make yeah. it work. You know? I, I love I think how you say that like every kid has an IEP. Every kid should have individualized. And I think that's something that is really hard to like resonate with the general population of people who mm. are not in this education or a sped world yeah. that they think, well, like it's going to be a detriment to the other kids. And I'll give mm. you a perfect example of this. <laughs> My son is three and he's in preschool and he's the only kid of the 24 kids that doesn't nap. And he's struggling because he's expected to sit for an hour and a half and just be quiet. And he's my son. So he's talkative. And I was talking about how it would be great if they could like give him an activity or do something. And you know what? My husband right. been with me for a while. He knows I talk about this all the time. And you know what he said? He said, well, but like, he's only one kid. They can't be expected to do something different for him. What about the <laughs> other kids? And I go, I go, wait, who are you, who are you talking to? But you know, he knows, he knows about in, being inclusive and supporting kids. And, you know, my response was, there's so many things they can do to support him that would help other kids. I guarantee you, he's not the first that hasn't napped. He's not going to be the last that oh, yeah. hasn't napped. Oh, yeah. So at the end of the day, like we can support. And some of it is rapport building. Like, I don't know that all the teachers, because there's so mm-hmm. many kids, have really established a really good relationship mm-hmm. with him, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, because we do quiet time here, but I have a good relationship with, I mean, of course, it's not the same as like the mom, but yeah. just the thought of, well, what about the other kids? We can't be expected to do this for every kid. That idea is so ingrained, I think, in society and it goes back to the us versus them and the why should we spend money on special education when it should be for general education but i think it really bottles down to what you're talking about if we 
focus, go down to the basics of building relationships and look how we can support all kids. All kids are going to benefit from that. Yeah. I was going to say the one thing I would add on to that, and this is one of the greatest lessons that I've, that I learned in my educational track is if you are a teacher or an administrator, you need to make it a point to establish a collegiate relationship with your special education teachers. One of the mm-hmm. pieces of advice that I ever got as a middle school principal was I had a coach come to me and say, you should let your special education team create the bell schedule for next year. Mm. And, and yes. I was like, really? And the, and the coach was like, absolutely, Lace. Like, first of all, they understand that around how to be inclusive, how mm-hmm. the time frame mm-hmm. for kids for moving from one class mm-hmm. to the other, what yes. classes might need an extra 20 seconds that would make a right. difference in the flow of a school. All the world. Yeah. Yeah. Not only that, but it also amplifies your special education teachers mm-hmm. as authority mm-hmm. or as leaders, mm-hmm. as go yes. to people. And yes. that one little move, I can't, the co-teaching took off. The kids were moving, expedi- like the, people walking to my building would be in awe. How would wow. the, the, the hallways would feel and before the bell could ring, door they would be in the rooms, doors shut. And I remember people walking my halls like, how did you get them to do that? I was like, well, I had my special education team write the bell schedule. And it was the most profound. I was like, why didn't I learn this as I was going through school? Yeah. Why first year right. teacher? Didn't an administrator ever come to me and say, mm-hmm. it's great, you have a mentor, but I also want you to go and spend time you know, in Mr. Hannaford's room, because exactly, yes, teacher for our four yes. or five grades, you can learn from him. Like, we yeah. need to do more of that. We could be learning right. from each other. Right. We can collaborate right. with each yeah. other if we're given the time and the opportunity and the encouragement. To yes, do so. yes. And we don't have to reinvent the wheel, and I no. think that that is just such a wonderful way to be able to show people. You know, you don't have to be afraid of anything <laughs> yeah. like you know as long as we're in it together it is a delicate ecosystem in you know even a particular school Lacey as we wrap up what is one thing that you would like any teachers or administrators to know and then we want to obviously plug where they can contact you but first <laughs> if you have any final thoughts yeah I think it's based off of what you just said and I say this all the time you know our edusphere we are a collective mm-hmm. community and Together, we can do anything. Together, we have shifted societal norms. We have made certainty or assured inclusiveness. When you look at Brown versus Board of Education, it's nowhere near where it should be. But the educational Mm -hmm. community is partly the reason why we were able to break down those silos. And so I just encourage all educators, whether you're a paraeducator, classroom teacher, principal, understand you are part of a community and together... Mm -hmm we can do and just about solve all of the barriers and I would say issues that we're confronted mm-hmm. with. on the- Yeah. Yeah. Beautifully said. So Lacey, where can people reach out to you if they have any questions or want to get your services or help? <laughs> yeah. I would invite them to go to our unboundedorg website there. You can, you can find where you can put purchase justice seekers. I talk a lot about the kids that I was thinking about today when I was talking to you all and the uh, experiences that I had moving through the education system. And more importantly, 
It discusses our work. Our GLEAM framework is a grade level mm-hmm. engagement, affirming, meaningful. Poor mm-hmm. learning is our subsidiary. They are the formidable, I would say, purveyors around the knowledge of the science of reading, but they also mm-hmm. support math and in-person curriculum services. So I would say seek us out on our website. If you want to hit me up, hit that help button, send a message directly to me. I get all of those emails as they come in. Oh, good. Oh, that's good to know. Lazy was an absolute pleasure. We are going to schedule you for a part two because I feel like we have so much more that we could discuss. We could talk to you so all day. <laughs> it is not. I literally am trying to end this so that we can get her calendar out, uh, guys. I, it was a wonderful conversation. I know that we can get into some stuff. So thanks for listening. If you have any questions for Lacey, send them also to us because we will have a part two. And yes, hope you guys enjoy the rest of your day, episode. evening, morning. And we will talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.